to the DN Popcast. I'm Leland Steele. And I'm Moby. I'm Shannon. Hello. Fourth time for Pete, for Pete guest here with Shannon of the Game of Nerds. Thank you so much for joining us once again. I can't believe Moby has convinced you to return. <laughs> you know what? I, I said to you guys before, first time was a learning, you know, learning experience. Second time was like, okay, you guys didn't learn your lesson. Third time, mm, you know, starting to think, you know, okay, are they all saying there? And then you, you call me and ask for a fourth time. And I'm like, now you're just asking for trouble. You're just asking well, for it. Quite, quite frankly, I think actually you have Stockholmed us is what's going on. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> 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 I don't want Shannon on, but I have to have her on. Uh, you know you love me. Uh, you got, the, Everyone's just missing, you know, my I love Leland t-shirt, which I literally tried for 30 minutes to find. It's just in my garage of packing boxes right now. So maybe next yeah. time, fifth time with my, my SNL jacket that I'm requesting. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> you know, that the t-shirt could be used for so many more useful things. You could just... Uh, you know, use it as a rag to clean your car. You're just, especially you're just jealous. That's that's all that there is. You're just jealous. You know, I, I there is. So there's I've seemed to be a running theme of Leland T-shirts because that may. Yes, it is the original Leland shirt. But there have been subsequently two uh, additional Leland shirts, one with the hashtag Team Lelander on it. And the second with Leland is right. Oh to... shit! I need that one. <laughs> yeah, they are courtesy courtesy of Emily uh, of the Encourageable Party, one of, of my other my other podcast. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just I I just have shirts. It's it's a thing, I guess. <laughs> Leland is right. I love that. That's awesome. is, it's a good one. It's definitely a good one. She'll she'll appreciate the call out. So go to look for uh, Encourageable Party on Redbubble.com <laughs> and get one of Emily's shirts. <laughs> Leland's right. Because Leland is right. <laughs> People are creating a monster here. This is like oh, Frankenstein's monster. Like I hear organ music. You know, ominous. <laughs> this well, this. I usually wear uh, like tank tops because a normal collar can't fit over my big head. So I have to wear shirts that have large openings, <laughs> so my <laughs> ego can fit into it as well. <laughs> no wonder you wore that like sleeveless shirt to my brother's wedding. Now that makes sense. Uh, Leland is right. <laughs> Everyone else is like in a suit and it's Leland is right. Well, you did have a blazer on though. So it looked pretty spiffy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's hey, right. if you have a blazer on it, you made dress code. Okay. As long as you're yeah. not wearing sandals, then you've at least covered dress code, right? <laughs> I guess so. It is awesome to have you back. Yeah. It just, you know, didn't seem right to have any other guest come back as our fourth time guest. And, you know, we're still fairly, I don't know, I guess I can't say we're fairly early in 2022. I mean, we're about halfway done, but uh, we are going to have some repeat guests on. I'm like, nobody should be ahead of Shannon. Nobody. I feel quite honored. Um, you guys were one of the first podcasts like that I was on trying to promote Game of Nerds and, it's it's funny that the people that I have 
that I have really close friendships in this industry and working with are the people that started with me at the beginning um, and have kind of rode this entire adventure with me and people that you can call on when you need guests or when you need somebody to back you up or you need advice. Like, holy crap, this is not working for me. How how, how do I fix this? Um, I, Leland is a tech god to me um, because I cannot <laughs> deal with half of this shit um, when I do my own podcast. So it's, it's nice to have people like you guys in my life. And I, I appreciate you guys to, to the most extreme. Aw, thanks. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, like, I hate to say it, but it's, we go back years now. Like, it must be two, two and a half years was the first time you came on, something like that. Yeah, I think you guys, yeah, because I started uh, T, or the TGOM podcast in 2020. And by that point, I had already been on the podcast three times. So I was like, yeah, you <laughs> guys were like, seriously, like way ahead of me. Um, but you guys were also like, the more and more I found that geek niche podcasts like us are very few. There are a lot of other podcast genres that are just flooded. And to find these cool little niche podcasts that you can go and talk and geek out and have these really great relationships is kind of why I jumped into doing TGO and podcasts is watching you guys having so much fun. I was like, all right, I, I could do this. But once again, there's a whole learning curve that we all can acknowledge that it's not easy. <laughs> it takes a lot of hard work and tears. Oh, totally. And, and, you know, the fun part about this podcast today is, you know, just laying the groundwork for listener later on in this episode, we're actually going to dive in to podcasting, the do's, the don'ts, what we've learned, the state of the industry, we're going to touch on all of that. So that, that should be a pretty interesting conversation. We've already kind of bantered about it a little bit, right? So speaking of let's launch right into it. I'm going to go first. I shot, I'm calling shotgun. I only have one little piece. And it's mostly prevalent to British Columbia, in which we are based out of Vancouver, this, this show is. But the Directors Guild of uh, British Columbia has officially gone on strike uh, here. So basically, in I think it was on April 8th, um, they voted in favor of striking, which isn't the, stri- the, you know, the, the official decision to go on strike, but just garnering, you know, how their members feel. And they got about just over 92% in favor of the strike from about 86% of their eligible voters contributing to, to this consensus on April 27th, they officially did issue the strike notice to the Alliance of motion picture and television producers and the Canadian media producers association of British Columbia. After about a year long talk, I think their original um, contract that they're disputing was, was to expire in March of 2021 so basically you know like happens uh when people on strike talks have broken down between these two parties and basically what that means is the the strike no new safe harbor agreements can be made for any shows that will be going into production um but existing safe harbor agreements are protected uh and honored and which you know the 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 safe harbor for those unaware out here, at least in 2008, the BC Labor Board kind of imposed these safe harbor agreements um, just for labor stability during collective bargaining, during something that's happening exactly like this. So it just prevents these directors from walking off of those productions that have already been going or ongoing um, under these these agreements. But a lot of a lot of TV gets shot out 
of Vancouver. I mean, like oh, everything's CW. Ton. Yeah, like yeah. a lot, a lot. Everything on CW is out there. Like everything Absolutely. on the CW can't is, yeah. is is out there. But that's interesting that you say this because the tidbit that I was going to bring up is the fact that the Arrowverse just got it. Like it's the end of the Arrow Arrowverse on CW because uh, they canceled off the last of the shows. And so I'm wondering if this oh. has any implications with it because with the strike going on up there, they're not going to be able to get the 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 season's done as fast or be able to even shoot them if all this is kind of going on. I wonder how, I assume that it's like yearly these things are negotiated, um, right? But like an ongoing series like The Flash in like season eight or whatever it is, like how do these agreements, what kind of holdover is for these agreements from season to season? Or is it literally every year you have to renew the agreement and the contract, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously... I'm sure this is something separate from what the the actors themselves negotiating their own salary is that right so many different moving parts to it that's right yeah. but I, I wonder how much holdover there is um, for these types of like safe harbor a uh, safe harbor agreement right preventing strike action preventing your your set from and production from falling apart while still allowing the unions to negotiate for for better wages et cetera et cetera well, I wonder if, um, because they didn't cancel all of it. I think The Flash is still going to finish out, and I think it may have gotten renewed for one more season, but don't quote me on that. But I know they did, like, flat out canceled Legends of Tomorrow and Batwoman, which basically leaves The Flash. Like, that's it. And it yeah. makes me sad because we built TGON on the Arrowverse. Like, that was our, how we inter inter you know, like, we got introduced to fans. We were covering these series that nobody else was covering. So now that you say that, I'm like, oh, maybe that's why they all got canceled is because there's so much, uh, you know, negotiations going on the table and strikes being held. Because I know, don't you also guys have a trucking uh, strike going on right now or something like that? We we did. We had a huge one. Um, now, that was actually in Ottawa, which is the capital of the country. It's on the other side of Canada from Leland and I. However, there's a lot of smaller trucking strikes that go on that seem like every week or so. Not really strikes. They call them like freedom convoys, but yeah, they clog up roads. They they drive around and stuff like that. Not 100% sure if that affects the movie industry or the TV industry, but certainly can't help. Well, I'll say that it seems like some section of port workers are uh going on strike about four times a year uh because that <laughs> directly impacts my my what i do for employment um outside of the show obviously uh, so i don't know if like yeah i mean are they employing these the same type of trucks that are moving um film equipment and and sets and all this stuff i don't know i'm sure like it's all just so connected right so those safe harbor agreements are going to be protecting a lot more than just like an actor's job, um, right? If the directors are the ones that are having the dispute and, and you know, the, the set workers themselves, like talking of the CW shows, these, some of these set workers are the same people that were like, like worked on Smallville back in the day, the same people from production to production. And then, you know, they're, they're talking to these actors and the, the actors on the current shows are, are like, you, you know, exchanging stories about how these, these workers working all the way back on Smallville. And like, it's all as honestly, it's like such a small, such a small universe up here. Right. Um, yeah. It's just, it just 
I don't know. It could be. It could be really bad. I guess. Right. Like we could. It could have a complete stall on an industry that I feel like is is beginning to catch back up from the hit it took during COVID. Right after everything was all the productions were shut down because of that. And obviously this this doesn't affect anywhere else. Like this isn't affecting in, in Ontario, which is also incredibly popular uh, shooting site in Canada. So this is just British Columbia. But the like the Directors Guild of America has thrown in their full support behind Directors Guild of BC um, for their actions. So maybe it'll have a rippling effect. I, I don't I don't know. Well, we saw how much of a rippling effect it had here when all of our, you know, all of the behind the scenes, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's just the behind the scenes people. What you don't realize is that, yeah, it takes one actor to like, you know, be the star of the movie and it takes one, you know, one director to shoot the movie. But there is literally thousands of people behind the scenes making that happen. And a lot of them aren't getting recognized. They're not getting paid properly. Um, You know, like the list goes on and on. So if those people have the ability to stand up and go, yeah, okay, yeah, no, we're not, we're not going to keep doing this. If you don't, if you don't at least, you know, pay our end of the bargain, then all good for them. And, you know, um, we as consumers don't have the right to bitch about it because I don't see any of these us normal people trying to make set designs and shoot like Spielberg and everything. Um, anybody who has a talent and a craft, it's what you're good at. And that's your job. And a lot of these people, like you say, are living up there living their dream they've been doing it since smallville this is their job their career they love going to work um so they should have some job protection and be paid for being awesome at what they do because i can't do half of that crap let alone like the makeup people or the hair people like i look at things like bridgerton the costume design like i'm just like wow um i couldn't do it yeah and and, you know i think that um, the quality that is produced in Vancouver is very good. I've heard in the past that, you know, we have excellent crews, that they're very interchangeable with what directors are used to down in the U.S., which is great. I mean, certain crews internationally, especially Britain, France, I've heard there's some struggles uh, with uh, with film companies dealing with them because they've got some weird rules that aren't very film-friendly. Yeah, so you're, I agree with you, Shannon. These people need to be taken care of. I think in general, the film industry has a good reputation just with the public. Like if they, for example, um, want to use your house for a shoot, you know, they're very polite. They pay you fairly generously to shoot in your house. They make sure everything's back to normal before they leave. In particular, in, in our little town that Leland and I live in, a lot of the Hallmark Christmas movies are filmed literally within steps from me, like a lot of them. And I mean, I know these people are, you think they're all well paid, but really when it's something like a Hallmark movie, not really, like I'm sure they're making a living, but it's it's not nothing like Hollywood. And there's struggles there that you wouldn't think. So for example, last summer, I went for a jog in July and I get out my door and some dump trucks have put snow all along this street. And you have people waiting to do their scene in snowsuits in like, I guess what would be like 85 degree Fahrenheit heat. Like, I'm not kidding. And they looked miserable. <laughs> they, they really did. I ran by them and I was just like, my goodness, like, I should I say a prayer for these people to not have heat stroke? Because none of them were smiling and they were all sweating and being like mopped. 
So, yeah, you know, it's there. There are parts of that industry that aren't glamorous, but um, you know, the, you need everybody there, and you need to take care of them. I see when they film like in cold November and it's raining, and these crew that you never think of are just standing in the rain for twelve hours. I going back to like quality, I just think of how many good CW shows that were made out of Vancouver, the Vancouver area, and how much of those series were shot outside in the freezing colds. And I can't tell you how many times we would cover like the celebrities behind the scenes trying to get, you know, the gossip of what they were trying to shoot and everything like that. And you would see them in their parkas freezing over it. But in retrospect, now that I'm just kind of sitting here and thinking about it, if you compared a CW show to something like CBS or NBC or something, the quality of film and everything is just so vastly different. I feel like things that are shot out of Vancouver are just so much more natural and beautiful, beautifully shot, if that's even the right way to put it. I think that makes sense. You know, I don't know. I've only seen a little bit of this show, but even how Riverdale, which is local, is shot. That's the one I was thinking of. That's literally what hit me in the head was that and Supernatural. How many times they did the shoots outside, um, you know, in the car or it'd be a night shoot, um, things like that. And we got a lot of that with the Arrowverse, um, you know, watching Legends of Tomorrow or just Arrow because a lot of those were shot at night. So, of course, you're not going to be shooting during the day. They don't have an indoor studio. This is they're out, you know, shooting this. So, yeah, cold. Yeah, not my not my cup of tea, but. That's why I say those people need to be paid and kept warm. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Take care of them. (laughs) So podcasters like us can be inside with a literal cup of tea, all warm (laughs) as we we record. 100%. Did you guys hear that they are rebooting the 70s show and the 90s show is coming? No. Wow. Wow. Oh my gosh, I'm dropping news oh. bomb. Usually you guys are like hep on everything. Yeah, they are. <sighs> they are. So they, they made an 80s show, which was a total bomb. Okay. Yeah, like it didn't even yeah. make a full season, but they are doing the 90s. Basically, that's what's called the 90s. Um, all the original cast is coming back and it's basically uh, their grand, Red Foreman and Kitty are taking care of their granddaughter for the summer and trying to show her normal life as her parents live in a big city. And basically, she gets hooked up with all the neighborhood kids, just like how her parents originally had it set up. And I guess they're the whole cast is coming back, minus uh, Danny Masterson, uh, you know, of course. So uh, they are just, like, I'm really kind of excited about that because this that was like one of my favorite shows that I still kind of watch on repeat, like Red Foreman and Kitty are like my ultimate like couple goals. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, you hope they can kind of recapture some of that magic because you know a lot of those shows when they made comebacks they actually do seem to be pretty good pretty popular recently i think so, it I just mean, depends it, on who's doing it like we've seen like mm-hmm. i could say like will and grace yeah it was great for like the first few episodes but do we need a whole season of it probably not um murphy brown another one of those did we need a whole season of it probably not But I do see a lot of them. I see a lot of resurgence for these reboots. But I also see at TGON, we are getting flooded with requests for old. Are you covering Gilmore Girls? Have you covered, um, you know, Smallville? Are you, do you have the reviews? Because people are like, I have nothing else to watch and I need something else. So like, give me something along these genre guidelines. 
That's cool. Well, we'll definitely have to uh, revisit that. Like, I, I certainly would throw on at least the first few episodes of the 90s. And because, uh, you know, I just I don't want to get on a tangent here. But I remember as a kid growing up in the 90s, I was like, man, this decade's lame. Like every other decade has everything fun. And then 20, 30 years out of the 90s, I'm like, I love the 90s. So you guys need to hook up with what uh, happened in the 90s podcast. Okay. okay. Awesome. I must send you guys their info. They are totally our kind of people, but their entire podcast is about the 90s. I spent an entire hour talking to them about all my favorite things of growing up in the 90s. It was the best two hours of my life. Like literal <laughs> two hours of my life. I cannot like express that enough. That is awesome. Well, you know, I will hunt them down, creep them out, and I'm sure there'll be, uh, you know, guests on this show sometime soon. I'll I'll name drop you. <laughs> Please do, please do. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, was I mean, was that your bedroom, or were you sneaking something in there, Shannon? Oh no, 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 no! It's just because I have not <laughs> had a. Honestly, when I have a conversation with you guys, like we get deep into like talking about like nostalgic stuff and like that. I haven't had a conversation like that in so long, and I was deep into trying to buy a house, and I was so stressed out. So to have a conversation with another person where I literally was like, I literally lost time. My t- husband was texting me, "Get the." F- out of the office like where are you you were supposed to be done an hour ago and I was like oh crap we're like two and a half hours in I probably should get off now so (laughs) that's why I say like uh if you if you want to relive that trip down nostalgia lane in 90s style that is the main yeah that would be a main way to go that's awesome do you Shannon I mean do you do you have like a specific banter that you brought today or or well I was talking about the Arrowverse because it once again it kind of makes me so sad to see it kind of it's not dying but it's almost kind of fizzling out like I I see like a lot of people are over it um my staff well knows the story that I was very in deep into the Arrowverse and covered like almost all the shows at one point to the point that I was losing my freaking marbles and had to start handing them off to people. And then they started doing the crossovers and I did the first crossover and I was very patient about it. And I thought, okay, it's only going to be one fucking crossover and I won't ever have to do this again. And then they fucking did it every single year. And they started adding more shows like black lightning and more and more. And I couldn't keep up. I just, I, I could keep up. And I, just got to a point where it's just like, I love these shows, but it's just, if I don't watch flash, then I can't get caught up with arrow. If I'm not watching this, you know, I was missing too many pieces. It was frustrating me. And as a person who doesn't, didn't have enough time to do it. Um, yeah. So I kind of gave up on it, but I kind of kept, you know, like read everybody's reviews and now to see that like, it's kind of ending its journey. I mean, TGON has been, we've been alive nine years this year. So to see the Arrowverse go for almost a decade, dude, that's awesome. It's just bittersweet. Well, I'm sure you'll find something else that, uh, that, you know, you'll latch on to. Yeah. You, you cover so much different content. There's like, there's something for everybody, right? Like it is. I, that's like the joy of what I do is there's always something that like that, you know, like everyone can attach to. I think, I think there's just some kind of sentimental value walking dead doctor who, and the Arrowverse was like the first things we covered religiously, like got on a schedule about. 
I remember doing the live tweets every night. Like I was on Twitter, like every single night doing the live tweets, you know, connecting with the fans and to think like, even now, like that live tweet parties, who the fuck does that now? Like literally, yeah, yeah, you like, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, that's how much we've evolved in the last nine years of how we watch TV, how we consume with our friends. Like now there's like a button where we can click watch party and be hooked up with all our friends and watch. Like totally. Where was that eight years ago when I was doing this? Like this would have been really great to have. (laughs) So yeah, it's the Arrowverse kind of thing is just kind of bittersweet of, I think maybe a realization to me of how much shit has changed, how much this industry has changed, how much times have changed. And it's kind of sad to see us. I think I would probably feel more devastated if like MCU was like ending, like they're like, oh, this is the end of MCU. And I'd be like, no, I just feel sad. I'm like, "Mm." I have Riverdale, but it's not the same. Yeah, but uh, I hear that they all have superpowers now in Riverdale. Uh, I yes. don't get me fucking started. Like that series, <laughs> just, you guys. That's why I can't like watch that. Riverdale either. Um, oh my that's, goodness! That way, Supernatural was like the last <laughs> king and cope I had to like CW to the point that I was at, like Supernatural was my ooh, I love that show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, there's too many, there was too many good shows on CW at a point where I was just like, I did not have enough time. And I felt like I was cheating on the other shows if I watched them and didn't watch another. Um, and then the off you know, seasons got too hard, like trying to catch up on everything. You're like, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I was just saying, you know, to, talking about all the cross, like the crossovers every year. And then like every show gets a crossover episode. So there's like six episodes in this crossover arc across six different shows, right? It's like, but where can you find all of those shows in a single yeah. place? Exactly. And I'm, I mean, I cut the cord forever ago for cable. So, I mean, I, I, I think I got up to about season five or six on flash of watching on Netflix, but like, you know, you hit, you hit the mid season mark and there's the crossover. And you're like, Oh, okay. Here's one episode. Well, I guess I'm not going to know how that ends unless I go look it up, look up the wiki on it. <laughs> right. Like, you have to download the CW app and it only has certain episodes for certain weeks. And then after a certain time off, it drops off the app. So then you got to go find it somewhere else. Yeah. That, yeah. That yeah. our writer's life. Well, somehow. Don't get me started on some bitch about streaming. Cause obviously that's going to be our next segment, but Moby, what is your banter? Let's finish up banter here. You know what? You were going oh, to God, expect. It's still not out. Sorry. Oh, I know you. Were, I was going to say it. You, you were going to expect the T word, but I am not giving you the T word today. I am not. I I have to hold back for like a month because I am hearing things about the T word that are very good that are raising my expectations. Through fucking the time on this podcast every time we talk I, we talk about top gun and how it's gonna i'm so fucking done with that movie because it's been rescheduled how many times how many damn times it did you know it actually set a a world record legitimately it is the longest movie ever from trailer to release in hollywood it yeah there's the only one i can think of that has pissed me off this much is the dark tower with what's his face the oh yeah the um oh my gosh i can't think of this mood but he everybody loves him it's gonna come to me and it'll come to me randomly but yeah yeah talk about your top gun when's it coming it's not my banter it's coming (laughs) out may 27th i already have a date to go see it so 
I am wearing the jumpsuit. I'm bringing the helmet. I'm looking at the helmet right at this moment. I am like, or it didn't happen. Okay. I'm expecting picks or it didn't happen. (laughs) And you have to, you also have to be holding your ticket stub and a newspaper with the day's date to confirm that it is not faked. And to f- confirm that the movie has released. What's even better is I want a big thumbs up. Like you're really excited. Like the first day of school. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is so not Iceman that I cannot even. <laughs> That's got the whole my point. Suit, my flight suit tight. Got my helmet, helmet on. on. <laughs> Hope I don't get in a fight. <laughs> you guys are just, you're emasculating yeah. my childhood right here. This is terrible. You're laughing, but I'm going to write up an article about this episode, and I'm literally going to reference how many times in links we've talked about (laughs) this fucking movie, dude. (laughs) Well, you know, if you ever want a guest writer on, like, Top Gun, like, Top Gun or Citizen Kane, I'll make that argument right there. You know, okay, you come on wow. because I don't think anybody, I don't think I could let anybody write about Top Gun without like rolling my eyes and going, oh, no, that's for Moby. I will write such a thing for Top Gun that it will seem like it is war and peace. It 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 will seem like it's the Bible or some shit. Listen, like, I you was... heard it here on the podcast. <laughs> Check it out on the Game of Nerds. <laughs> Check it out on the Game of Nerds. <laughs> so, so okay. So, um, you so mean, my... it's going to be long. It's going to be over long. It's going to be dry. It's going to make you want to ultimately kill yourself by the end of reading it. That's what you're saying. Thank you, Leland. Like the Bible or like War and Peace. That's all. That's what I'm getting. That's the impression I'm what, getting. <laughs> what the worst part is, is if he goes into the movie and it's so disappointing that he's pissed off and it's like Fantastic Four and we're like, yeah, fuck this shit. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> don't even want to talk about it, you guys. If, if it is that bad, I mean, I will still eviscerate it in writing. If it destroys my childhood, one way or another, you're getting a uh, you're getting an article of some sort of dramatic uh something something or other it's gonna be dramatic (laughs) so we'll do it but okay no what i want to discuss is the best comedy that i have seen in the last five years a comedy so funny that i was restricting myself from laughing instead making weird squeaking noises in my seat which was seeing the unbearable weight of massive talent with leland and ghost marty on saturday this past saturday i'm a huge Nicolas cage fan I love when Nicolas Cage is crazy. We got like good acting Nicolas Cage. We got crazy Nicolas Cage who is like de-aged perfectly. I looked up how they de-aged him. It's really cool. They basically built like they, – they somehow built like a model of him that they could project onto his face without use of like beads or weird stuff that affected his performance. So he could just be Nick Cage. Yeah, it's like a filter but it looks so good. Like it was so good watching that movie – crazy young Nick Cage, I was like, it passed the uncanny valley. I'm like, this looks completely mm, real. No, no it, Leland, you it didn't look that good, dude. <laughs> it didn't look like it wasn't. I, was it I like don't think one it was of those meant Instagram to. filters, like with the big ass lips? And you're like, nope, that's no. a filter. <laughs> Leland is being hard on. No, I, I, I don't think that it was meant to like the point of it was wasn't to fool you if you take it in the context of the the movie it looked perfect for the context of the film because nicholas cage is talking to a younger version of himself in his head he's talking to nikki so that's the thing and which was brilliant for the film by the way that was a great move and they used just enough of it but i think like the the de-aging 
like it wasn't like Luke Skywalker in Boba Fett good. I oh that man. was pretty good. Yeah, I guess I'll have to watch it a second time because you've got some pretty strong thoughts on how it wasn't great. But and maybe now I'm second guessing myself because I was legitimately having so much fun with that movie. Maybe I just didn't notice. Maybe I projected that the CGI was better than it actually was <laughs> onto the film. But I don't want to get bogged down in the, the, the CGI in particular. I just want to say, listener, if you're a fan of Nicolas Cage, if you like a lot of his early work where he's crazy, you know, you get that. You also get him calm. But the movie has real heart. I actually think the standout more than anything is Pedro Pascal. Who oh, yeah. He's amazing. He he's he's an amazing actor in general, but I actually looked up reviews of the movie after on YouTube and some print reviews because I'm like, it, well, Leland and I talked about this too, but were we the only ones that thought Pedro Pascal was like probably the best part of that movie? Certainly the best original character. Like he's just so genuinely good. <laughs> he's just a good guy. You want to have like a beer with him. You want to hang out with him. So that's what I really liked about the movie. It was very creative, obviously fourth wall breaking, if not fifth or sixth wall breaking. It's like Inception, but a comedy. Um, but I, I'm just recommending to listener, like we're not going to do a rated out of 10 thing here. Um, but if you're at all a fan of Nicolas Cage, go see it. it gets the Moby stamp of approval. I think you liked the story. And of course, Leland was couldn't get over the fact that the CGI was just shit <laughs> to enjoy the story. That's probably what happened there. No, no, I'm not saying it was shit. I'm just saying, like, Moby, you make it sound like the fucking, like, greatest leap in technical advances of of de-aging that we've ever had. And it wasn't that. That's all I'm saying. But. You're saying Instagram and TikTok could have done better? I'm saying TikTok could have done better, yeah. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Well, I will, I, you know, when I watch it a second time, I think I'm. Well, I actually might laugh more because, like I said, I was suppressing laughter despite all my laughs. Or else I'd be, like, the only person in the theater laughing at a lot of scenes. I just found it hilarious. <laughs> it's also because Nicolas Cage would step on screen and you would start to chuckle. <laughs> you would have this, like, giggle through the whole... What did we call it after? You had, like, a baseline chuckle the whole movie. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It didn't matter what was happening. You were just chuckling the whole time. It's because he's constantly <laughs> giving this deer-in-a-headlight look that I just find the funniest thing. Leland, what is it? That, like, little chuckle voice when somebody, like, a little kid goes, ooh, you said butt. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was yeah, a little it was I, I think know, it was a little, little, it was a little more high pitched. <laughs> I think it was a little deeper, <laughs> but it was kind of one of those like <laughs> just like going yeah. rattling, rattling. No, I I completely agree with you. If you are a, if you like Nicolas Cage at all, you're gonna love this film. Yeah, yeah, it was great. I agree with you. I recommended for sure. I'll Can add I- it to my long list of movies I have yet to see that I need to see. Because I don't ever watch movies now, you guys. I, I just stream and watch documentaries. I approve. We'll, we'll compare notes on documentaries, though, because I'm a huge documentary fan. We'll do that after. But, uh, Leland, you want to? You think we want to hit the first segment here? Yeah, let's do it. All right. It's time for Movie Musings. As we hinted at, we're going to talk about streaming. Uh, this segment is called The Stream Ran Dry. And... What I wanted to discuss, and we're going to put a, a, 
a YouTube link in the show notes uh, because we're going to reference it here. I I had asked uh, Leland and Shannon to take a look at a video um, before we recorded because it was the inspiration for this segment. Um, Netflix has lost a lot of stock value. Um, I don't know precisely what it is today, but uh, during April, they lost about a quarter of their entire stock value. Um, and it's because for the first time, they have been losing subscribers and people are panicking. And they're like, why, why is Netflix losing subscribers? So everyone's trying to figure out different theories or reasons. And uh, I wanted to discuss that. And the video's by, um, he's actually someone local to Leland and I. Uh, he's, he, his channel is called The Entertainment Guy. Um, and he just goes into whatever he wants to talk about, typically movies and streaming. But I thought he brought up some interesting points about too much content, uh, quantity over quality. And I think that the Netflix situation perhaps is a warning to other streaming services as a whole, because we've touched on this in a way in the podcast before. We've touched on specifically that there's so many streaming services. I mean, who can afford to spend $12 here, $15 there, when you're essentially getting a streaming service to watch one or two shows? And not only that, but those one or two shows obviously don't run year round. So you're either getting a monthly streaming service and canceling it and then coming back or you're just, well, you're, you're going to hit a breaking point sooner or later because another thing that Netflix has done is they are continually and aggressively increasing their pricing. So, I mean, I want to go around to start, maybe we'll start with you, Leland, but, but just an overall opinion of perhaps maybe the best way to start is, is your Netflix usage did you see the potential for Netflix having issues? And, um, you know, any of the issues that the entertainment guy brought up, I know you have, you want to counter him a lot, but did you agree with him on anything? Yeah. So I, I watched this video and, um, yeah, we will put a link in the show notes, but, but I did like what he made, what he was saying were just facts. So you can't dispute them. But my, I took umbrage with the the fact that like and and like reading through the comments of that video too like every like it, the video was just dogpiling on Netflix um which I mean was the point of the video they're talking about Netflix and and it, like I say he's just he's just stating facts of what's happening with Netflix and so so it's all true and it all makes sense and all the reasons that he lays out why it's happening it all completely makes sense but like to me yes Netflix uh is now is not at the powerhouse juggernaut that it was. Uh, it's it's not giving you the value for your subscription money that it used to be, and obviously that is that is solely because of the competition now, where they had market share of all of streaming for so long, and now it's getting divvied up, and now they're falling from grace from where they were. But and my my caveat to all that is. I do not believe that they are any worse off than any other streaming service. Because like you just said in your opener there, Moby, you have to have so many different services for a small handful of shows. You're, 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 we're collecting these streaming services. So I don't believe that on the surface, any specific streaming service has more exclusives than Netflix does when you put them in comparison, all right? Now maybe maybe you can make a different argument for Disney Plus um, because of what it has behind it, 
But also, if you think of like HBO Max, and you know, in Canada we have HBO Max Lite is like what I like to call it because it is not significant as HBO Max at all. It's actually quite fucking garbage in Canada. Um, but it comes with Crave. But and then uh, what? Even even like um, like Apple TV, and then you think of like even some things we have again in Canada, CBC Gem, um, and like the the Peacock one for the what is it like NBC stuff. We've got Paramount Plus now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can, I, I feel like I'm having deja vu, and we probably have had this conversation so many times together. You know, when we've talked in previous podcasts, it was when we were cutting out cable. Like, oh, okay, yeah, well, yeah. cable has now become so extreme. When do we going to pound out streaming? And now we're back to the same exact goddamn problem that we were a couple of years ago. Except for we're not cutting out cable. We're cutting out what streaming services mean the right. most to you. What is most important that you cannot like in our house, like people will die if Disney plus disappears, like there will be <laughs> there. The, the house is going to burn the fuck down because my, right. my family needs Disney plus to survive. Do we need Hulu? Do we need things? So one of our biggest things is when we moved into our new house, um, we wanted to cut ties with cable. I didn't want to pay Com Comcast's huge bill. We weren't using the DVR. I wasn't watching live TV like I was. So why why have it? We use our Apple TV box. And since we've switched, I've realized we have picked up almost as many streaming networks that our yeah. cable bill used to cost. Yeah, I'm like, make all right, it. now we got to get rid of, yeah. like, we're not using Paramount Plus. Why are we paying them $5 a month? And it right. seems like, oh, it's minuscule amounts. It's just $5. But $5 times 12 months, do the math. You're, you're These are money coming out of your account that these people are just taking and you maybe watched the Rugrats twice. I completely agree with that. But, but the point I was making in generating that list is if you look at all of these, look at the backing and where they are coming from and what they have that Netflix does not have. Even Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime, well, yeah, they put out their own content, but like it's attached to the organization of Amazon that has all this additional revenue and money behind it. Disney Plus is just Disney, right? And again, HBO Max is just what they make for HBO, right? So I feel like, I just feel like it's almost, it's almost, I don't know, like the, the discussion is, doesn't feel like it's, it's being, a, it's on an even playing field when you're talking about Netflix anymore. And when you've just talked about the serve, the quality and, and value that you get currently for Netflix, that is a separate discussion versus talking about the value of Netflix directly compared to another streaming service and just pick it, pick, just pick one. Right. And, and then, so that discussion is made on an individual basis for an individual person versus whatever that streaming service you're putting it up against. I mean, like you say, like I, I really only have a continued Disney plus services cause, cause I, my, my girlfriend uses Disney plus Emma uses Disney plus and she really likes it. And she watches a lot more on it than I, cause really I just watch it for the Marvel and the, um, and the star Wars stuff is predominantly what I spend on watching on Disney plus. Right. So I don't know. I just like, again, I, I, I'm getting incredibly long winded here, but I do agree with all the points he made, but I just think the conversation is not as clear cut and is more nuanced than what he covered in the video. The difference though, Leland with Netflix, I really think is the aggressive increases in pricing because this, this is one of the bits of prep that I did. I looked at my other streaming services that I use which is 
Uh, YouTube Premium is actually the main one by far. Disney Plus, Crave a bit, Curiosity Stream. Now, they haven't increased in price. At, at least, I don't know how it is down there in the U.S., Shannon, but They're up raising here they, have, they are going to raise the price. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe following Netflix's queue. But it constantly seems like I'm getting a fucking Netflix increase. Like, a dollar or two every, I don't know, six months to a year, something like that. So, yeah, oh, I, I think like it feels like it's uh, once a year we're getting kind of hit with like a price hike. I'm going to take us. I'm going to I'm going to wheel us all the way back here because I'm going to I'm going to throw some love on you guys here. Uh, Netflix is actually headquarters in my hometown uh, where I where I was born and raised in Los Gatos, California. They is, which is not a cheap place to live in any way, <laughs> shape or form. We're in the Bay Area, so that is not a cheap place to live. So I know the rent is not cheap over in that area. But we I think we forget where Netflix started. Like we have to remember that Net, Netflix started before I started TGON. Blockbuster was on its way out. It was changing and revolutionizing the way we were looking at renting things, right? And we went from DVDs to all of a sudden, shit, Netflix is the only streaming service out there. They were the ones who created the market, right? So they've created this, not only the service, they've created this idea of how to run a business. And now everybody's carbon copying them and just making yeah. it, all right, your network gets this, your network gets that. I don't yeah. think Netflix was expecting everyone and their mother to start opening to start up a, their own Netflix. Yeah, of course, they were yeah. thinking that they were going to be the kingpin and yeah, Hulu showed up, but every AT&T needs, a, you know, a Verizon or a Comcast or something else to, you know, you always Compete. got some kind of competition. So that's yeah. what we expected. I don't think we expected it to go as crazy as it did. So I think in all retrospect, Netflix is now trying to have to keep, keep up. Um, it's, hmm. it's trying to figure out how it can revolution it size itself once again, because the reality is, is every other streaming network that's out now has an upper hand on them because they're going off Netflix's old technology to build on their next new technology for the next, you know, streaming app. They're looking right. at new algorithms. They're looking at, you know, new tech people who are coming in from overseas or so, in a sense, I kind of feel bad for Netflix because I kind of have a sense of loyalty to Netflix. I mean, I was an original DVD buyer from them. I remember getting the DVDs and being so damn excited, you know, to watch a new movie because we didn't have a blockbuster anymore. And then to have streaming, like that was, I was one of the first friends to have Netflix streaming. And that was just like, oh, you're mm -hmm. watching TV on your laptop. How can you do such a thing, you know? Yeah, but, but I mean, it seems to me though that the the streaming industry like netflix is suffering so the industry is fl can flourish because every single time we get a new streaming service that pulls their own content from netflix to put on their own service that is that's a double whammy for that uh, new streaming service right like they're subtracting from over here and they're adding to themselves that's a, that's a that's a move of two points for for that specific person and the only person that the only company that that gets drained from it is Netflix, right? So it's funny though. It's funny though that like in that what what that does is it doesn't actually and it's okay. Let me lay out the example. Let's say that we're ultimately going to get to. I'm sure what this thing is. Say you get to the point where you okay. I am I'm getting rid of Netflix. It no longer is worth the value. The price hikes I I, I put up with it. I don't watch it. I'm getting rid of it. 
but in turn you've picked up three other services. So what it's doing, all it all it is doing is again taking money from Netflix, but not saving the consumer money. There's still the consumer ends up paying more, but it just doesn't go to Netflix anymore, right? It just goes to three other places or two, maybe if it's even two other places. To me, Netflix's downfall started with Disney Plus. As soon as all that, the like Daredevil and Jessica Jones, all the Marvel stuff pulled, gone. It's toast. But even that is a fault because guess what? You cannot watch on Disney Plus, even though it's part of the MCU, is the Spider Man movies with Tom Holland because it's a Sony property. So. <laughs> so it's funny. It's funny that this fucking juggernaut with its huge box office success and everything it does, and now uh, branching to the streaming services, can't even offer you its whole fucking catalog in one place. Well, that's right? the same thing happened to Netflix when Hulu came on the event. Remember that Netflix was getting every single TV show from all the networks to redo all the old seasons. Then Hulu right. came on the market and I don't know what TV, one of the networks, somebody bought out Hulu, right? And then they became the juggernaut. And once again, they have money behind them. So like you were saying before, Amazon Prime's got Amazon, right? It's got a cash flow just coming to it right hulu's got some other major corporation pumping goddamn money into it hbo max no difference got an it's got warner brothers behind it what does netflix have its subscribers and it has and like you said it has to support how bloated it's gotten since the market blew up and now it just can't support itself anymore because it it grew too big and now the food's no longer there for it and everybody's got original content or wants to make original content. Original content takes money. So then therefore, who's having to put up that money to make these original content, hoping to God that they're not a flop when they finally come out? One other thing that the entertainment guy brings up is like, and that we've talked about on this podcast a lot, is the Netflix originals suck. <laughs> right? Yes. Netflix's original content is not great. Very hit or miss. When it started out phenomenal, but very hit or miss. But also what's pointed out in the video that's entirely true is just Netflix just cans shows that are great for for what what reason and also you know how hidden their metrics are that they use and evaluate with like it's not all open no nobody no it seems like nobody has the full picture of what decisions and are based on at Netflix right because they keep it so close to their chest now is that the same for other streaming services because again this conversation I've only ever had in regards to Netflix, like we don't have these convers- same conversations with other services. Well, what I was going to say is actually related to that, Leland. So the anecdote I have today is I was talking with uh, Catman Mods, uh, one time guest on the show. You'll see a uh, Facebook post recently or soon um, from him because he uh, refurbished my PlayStation 2. It's awesome. But uh, I was talking to Catman Mods this morning and he said, Moby, look at the second season of most Netflix shows, even the popular ones. He's like, they nerf them. And I'm like, oh, okay. And he's like, in some cases, they literally nerf them because he's like, I love Altered Carbon, which I'll admit I haven't seen, but he's like, Altered Carbon season one, fantastic. But he's like, they did a season two, but they, I guess they were running out of money or they wanted to spend money somewhere else. He's like, they literally switched to painted Nerf guns in, in Altered Carbon. 
Netflix, you've got Stranger Things. So that's where nine, a good chunk of the money. I mean, you have, think about what's been coming out the last few years. It's, it's Stranger Things has been a big carrier of Netflix. And my question, what I, I was going to ask you is, what do you guys consider Netflix originals? Like, is it only the movies and the TV series? Or do you like consider like the documentaries and everything that they do original content as well? Um, I would consider the documentaries as original content. I know they've done some stuff with David Attenborough, which is great. Um, I love David Attenborough, so I'll eat up anything that he has as long as it's decent, and it has been. Um, so I would consider those originals. I would not consider originals things that Netflix has bought. So, for example, I am happy as a clam that when YouTube read now YouTube Premium, but formerly YouTube Red, for whatever reason decided not to keep moving forward with Cobra Kai, that Netflix came in, bought it, they funded it well, I'll give them credit where it's due, but I do not consider Cobra Kai a uh, Netflix original, even though they currently run it. No, Right, I agree with you that there is a difference between an original and an exclusive. So again, when I, I go... I don't know why I'm so like gung ho about support, like coming to Netflix's aid because I didn't expect this at all. Because like I barely use Netflix anymore. Like honestly, Leland is not... right though. Come to Netflix's aid. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect this. But what are original properties for like Disney Plus again outside of the MCU and Star Wars stuff, which? isn't even really original for Disney. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But but what is, like, Disney originals? Like, Disney Plus originals? And even, like, what about, like, an HBO original? What What is that? That's just HBO shows, right? That's true. My The reason I bring this up is because lately I have been streaming my big guilty pleasure once Marvel's in bed and I'm done listening to Disney Plus and Moana for, like, the fifth time today. <laughs> is I'm really into the murder docs right now. Like I cannot get enough of, of Netflix's murder doc just finished uh, John Wayne Gacy's story. Like me and my husband said, just mind blown that you can fit that many bodies underneath a basement. Okay. Um, but those to me, I find so interesting and where else, like, I cannot think of a channel or a place I would be able to be this dark and gloomy on. So like those, I, I like, I appreciate Netflix and the aspect of, I really shouldn't be enjoying this, but somehow it, it brings me such great joy to learn about psychopaths and serial killers. There's also one about fungus. That was a good one too. The one about mushrooms was really good. Yeah, I saw that one. Okay, you saw that one. But yeah, no, David Attenborough, like I do, that's why I say like, I, I think that's where I am like, Netflix really does have a large, large breadth of like content because when you put in the documentaries, I mean, you're going from David Attenborough to goddamn serial killers. That's a long breadth of like things in between. I just, every, some things are a hit, some things are a miss, but it's really just, I think it comes down to the user of who's using, who's using the streaming device. Who's in your home? What are you using? Like we were talking about before, it's going to come down to, well, is it worth our time? Is it worth our money? And do we really want to keep paying for this? Yeah. Disney's plus has got us by the balls. All of us are going to continue to keep paying Disney plus. But yes. the part, the part <laughs> that I'm going to say that pisses me off is when we were looking for to, uh, the subscriptions, when we were doing this, uh, doing it for this house, you cannot buy Hulu like TV without buying ESPN and Disney plus and everything. So what happens if you already have bought in Disney plus? 
So I can't yeah. have Hulu. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah, I should be able to buy just the pieces that I want without having to buy all the rest of it too. Um, so we ended up with YouTube premium. That's what we ended up doing the same thing. Um, we have that, uh, Netflix and HBO max oh, and Disney plus. Those are our, our, our ones that we use. And I like, I got rid of Paramount plus. Cause I was like, forget this. Like, why are we paying $5 for this? But there's a lot of them where I just like, my mom does Hallmark channel. Like why, why do you need Hallmark channel? <laughs> Why? <laughs> I've found some weird ones, Shannon. There are so many streaming services out there. You wouldn't believe. There now I don't subscribe to it, but uh there's a guy who watches videos sometimes on YouTube. His name is John Townsend. He's very specific. He's into like 17th century American colonial lifestyle, so he does cooking, dress-up shows, whatever. The guy has a freaking streaming service for himself now and shows that he does with his friends or his friends do shows. Um, the comic Tim Heideman, uh, who was from Tim and Eric, uh, I really like him. Tim and Eric, though, is pretty niche. It's cult. Tim has his own streaming service, which I found like three weeks ago. And I mean, he's cult. People know him, but not everybody knows him. Or sorry, I said Tim Heideman. I'm mixing up. I'm mixing up some Tim Heidecker is his actual name. And so, but like, he has his own streaming service. I'm like, I, I could never afford all of these, even if I wanted to see this stuff. And I don't know if I have a point with that, except to prove more market saturation. No, but that's, it's hundred percent true. Because look at how many influencers now you can subscribe on Instagram to get more content to, you know, right. what I'm trying to say like, it's gone to the point where I, my question to you was big. Do you guys see us going into the future where it's like Twitch and you can just subscribe? Like instead of TV channels, we're just going to subscribe to people's lives, like who we want to like stalk all the time. And then that brings up the question of why the hell would you give somebody some monthly so that you can watch what they're doing all day? Like, like at what point have we like functionally have lost our sanity and like will to live when we're just like watching other people live? And I think that's where I like, I disconnect from like social media and everything. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Like, I don't have to be on it 24-7. You know, we're we're one step before that, Shannon, um, because, or at least I am, because I actually um, Patreon a number of content producers. And so via Patreon, you get special access to them. You know, you, you, obviously they have less Patreons than their 200,000 subscribers on YouTube. So you can message them, get messages back for most of them. So you're paying for that kind of access. And, you know, there's an interesting situation because there's one guy at Patreon and he's he's a little bit new on the scene. He makes good content on like nautical disasters. So not necessarily like naval stuff, but like just shipwrecks and things like that. And he has had a massive case of writing block recently where he just doesn't know what content to produce. So it's been a few months since he's actually produced a, a video. I think he did an April Fool's one and his last one before was like beginning of February. But now it's it's uh, torches and pitchforks on his Patreon because he's now subscribed to by these people that are like, Dance Monkey, produce a video every week or two because I'm paying for you. And this guy's like, I'm feeling depressed, guys. I need a break. And it's like, no, I'm pulling my money from you then, sir. There goes your livelihood. So I see some toxicity that that can enter. And 
and elitism um i've seen on other patreons like uh and you know i've fallen into this trap with with some of the people that i patreon as well because you get special access you're like oh yeah you know you say in a comment section on youtube yeah i talked to such and such last week about this video he told me it's like there's almost this elite class now Tara talks about this in parasocial relationships, like you, somebody, you know, somebody, but they don't know you, you know, kind of right. thing, like how we are with kind of celebrity relationships, but TGON, we talked, the staff and I talked a lot about doing a Patreon account for a while. And the reality is, is it's just more work. Like the reality yeah. is it's more work. I have to do more work on top of the work I'm already doing to do, to, to get them. I don't want to do more work. You guys, like I, it, it, it really, I have to come up with a whole nother band of content. So the people who do that, I give you all praise. And I just, it, it really, to me, that's exactly the phrase you use dance monkey dance. Like that's literally what it makes <laughs> me feel like. And that's how I feel like on Instagram, like I, you know, like why are we spending this much time being invested in people's life when there's an entire universe out there? And it's one thing to connect if you're not like, you know, I don't have anybody to talk about gaming and you guys are the only two people I know who to talk about gaming. Okay. Well, that's one thing. All right. Well, talk to us about gaming, but what do you have in common with Kylie Jenner that you need to follow her all day and subscribe to Patreon or ran you know what I'm trying to say? Random people. It's, it's kind of, it's almost like only fans, like that's a whole nother can of worms to open with. But, you know, you see a lot of uh, the gamer guys going after the chicks who aren't nerdy and they're, oh, I need more nerdy. She's not even a nerd, dude. Keep walking, like take your yeah, money somewhere exactly. else, like find a real nerd cosplayer. You'll be much happier. <laughs> no, you're, you're, well, you're totally true. <laughs> you're laughing, Leland, but you know, I'm fucking right. Look, I know. I, no, I, I have I like, OK. I think I've just been given a run for uh, tangent of the year here because that was a tangent <laughs> and a half that we just went on. But I will say that is at least loosely related because you're right. It, it, it all seems like it, like it's, it's, I, I suppose you could think of these streaming subscriptions, especially when those streaming services are generating original content uh, in hopes of keeping and growing their subscription based as a type of crowdfunding you could very loosely make those tentative connections so let, let's let's go there let's do it because crowdfunding itself has a lot of trials and tribulations uh like you moby said a lot of toxicity from people that because it is an instant feeling of entitlement and you're right having a patreon does mean doing a lot of work because you do have to offer a whole nother subset of content um which I am well aware of how much work that is put into with uh, the Incursible Party podcast because we have a, a, a pretty healthy Patreon, which is very lovely, and, and we definitely dearly love the patrons and the people that contribute to us and that are really hardcore fans of the show. And don't get me wrong, I mean, I enjoy all the extra work because, like, I wouldn't have put it across as being, hey, let's do this kind of stuff if I didn't like doing it. But I don't really know where I'm going with this, but, like, crowdfunding... That 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 entitlement. Do we feel that same entitlement with these streaming services? When because again, like scrolling scro scrolling through the comment section of that YouTube, and obviously it's a comment section on a YouTube video. It's not going to be the best place in the anyways. But like, it was just like you know, fuck Netflix, just garbage downhill. 
you know, the odd constructive, oh, yeah, this was a great video, thanks. But, like, yeah, man, it's just, like, to, to, it's so easy to be able to pile onto something. And that's funny coming from me on this show because I like to pile and dogpile on a lot of <laughs> shit on this show. But w- do we have that entitlement with these streaming services? Like, is that what is happening? I, I think that's kind of what happened. It's I see it almost no different than a new Star Wars movie coming out and the Star Wars fans, I'm going to say that loosely, Star Wars boys fans who just feel like that the Star Wars universe needs to be written their specific way, come out of their molding and come screaming about the movie and how it's the most horrible thing and they've ruined Star Wars. That's your opinion. You know what I'm trying to say? They feel an entitlement to now, you know, text George Lucas that he's ruined Star Wars or whatever, you know, the next J.J. Abrams, whoever directed, you know what I'm trying to say? They feel yeah, the entitlement. Yeah. And then, then we take it to the next level. Now they're sending out death threats. And, you know, like there's this whole like level of toxicity fandom. And so I think we've just gotten so used to having things handed to us and made so easy. Um, you know, like I can say eight years ago, we watched the Arrowverse every t- Monday through Friday and you had to catch the show or you yeah. had to watch it on the DVR. And we're talking, right. this is less than a decade ago. Okay. Yeah, yeah, now yeah. we get streaming services. They drop an entire season in one night. Okay. That was for a loss of it. And now we're having to go back. Some of them are going like, yeah, you only get it once a week and we're bitching about it. Yes. I was going to bring up that exact <laughs> point of entitlement that I feel because If there's anywhere where I should be blamed or perhaps blaming the streaming services, I don't know, is my entitlement because of that. Because in the beginning, all those tent poles were released all at once, season by season. I got used to that. I got addicted to binging. But now you can barely binge anything anymore because to keep you on month by month, the streaming services don't drop everything. So that, you know, for example, I only watch, I only have... Oh, what is it? It's a crave right now because of Picard, the Star Trek that I watch. And if they had dropped all eight episodes of that, I would have watched it in one month. Well, would have watched it in a week. And then I would have canceled my crave. I'm just being honest. But where my entitlement comes from now is I realize that change in strategy. You know, it doesn't take someone with a marketing degree to figure out that they're trying to hook you for months at a time at minimum. and. Yeah, I'll admit, I feel more entitled to better content now because I know they're stringing me along. And that's kind of where I get more pissy about it and get my entitled feeling. It's like you started off with this binging. It was great. It was fun. And now you're just going to string me along for extra dollars. No, you have to fucking deliver more then. I remember a conversation with Leland and it may have been the podcast where you were on, on my podcast, Leland, where you're like, yeah, I'm not going to pay for Disney plus. I'm just going to cancel it every, I'm going to watch the star Wars shit. And I'm going <laughs> to cancel it and just get a new email every single time. So I'm glad your that girlfriend had some kind of impact on you enough to keep the Disney plus, but now let's, let's talk about this. Why did you keep Disney Plus and not just can it? Like you've always talked about, big boy. <laughs> yeah, very good well, question, Shane. Okay. Obviously, I'm a sucker for the MCU, just like everybody else, right? Like, and so I really MCU. do. MCU was on there to begin with when we first had this conversation. Uh, so, was it? Did, yeah. What? 
You were, this was right before Mandalorian dropped. You were, you were very, you're like, I'm going to watch it for the Mandalorian and I'm going to cancel it. And then that's it. I'm not, fuck this shit. <laughs> okay. Like you were very, but, very strong. But Wanda, like the, the WandaVision hadn't dropped yet. Falcon is all like all that hadn't come out yet. So she might have been, but now the content is there. The content is there to keep it. It's, honestly, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I just, it's the I girl. Have this, <laughs> I have the service for Emma and I will admit that. Disney Plus is has become my main uh, service, um, second to YouTube. Even though I don't have YouTube Premium, I put up I put up with the ads for YouTube just because I have too many other things. If I were to get YouTube Premium, I would probably drop Crave. But every once in a while, I go go to because Crave actually has a lot of good shit on it. But I would say Crave's interface is fucking atrocious and terrible. It's just it's yeah. garbage. Crave it's so is bad. your guys's version of CBS, right? Is that no, nah, Crave is basically our HBO Max. So we get we pay for Crave and then you pay an extra like five bucks to get some HBO stuff. But we don't get like new Warner Brothers movies as soon as you know, like we didn't get uh, we didn't get like Wonder Woman when it on HBO on our HBO Max. We didn't get Dune right away. We didn't get the Matrix, the newest Matrix right away. Like we don't get those releases where you can watch them on on that HBO. Because okay. that's why it's garbage. I didn't even know that they were only going to be on for limited at a time. I thought they were going to be on for forever. So when I finally got my ass around to wanting to watch one of those movies, they were gone, and was I was gone. I was so fucking disappointed. I was like, they should have told us this because when they advertise it, they're like, oh yeah, these new movies are coming out. You can be able to watch them as they've just come out of theater no fuck you it's only there for like a week or two and then it's like gone i had to watch space jam and i didn't enjoy it (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's that's another criticism i have of the streaming services is uh unless it's their original content i do feel like the turnover on just generic third-party shows and movies it feels like it's getting quicker i have no proof but yeah shannon it's like I'm the same as you. There's things that I know that I wanted to watch on these various services and I go back and they've suddenly disappeared. I'm going to be excited when we have this conversation again in a year to see how, where TV has gone. Cause I feel like this is our conversation every time I come and we chit chat um, because it, it amazes me how just in a year, everything changes. I mean, I can look I- it back when TJON started, you know, TJON started and how things have changed. So just in, I mean, the pandemic started in 2020, just in two years, how much shit has drastically changed. I agree. And I actually do have a prediction for the next time we talk, and it may not just take a year, maybe two years, but my prediction, my prediction is, is that you're going to see a number of these services increase their tiers. You're going to see economy ad supported tiers that you still pay for, but it might be three, four, six dollars a month. But you're going to get more ads. You might get less uh, uh, back catalog or wait an extra week for certain shows. Um, I do think that's part of the solution for streaming services is like if I have Crave, I will wait an extra week to watch Picard or Peacemaker when it's on or something like that. And I'll tolerate a couple ads. If it only cost me five bucks a month instead of 15 or something like that, you know, that's, that's, that's reasonable to me. You know, what's not reasonable is, you know, having my Netflix increase. I know it's increased like 33% or so, like a third, 
in the time that I've had it. And I think I only got it in 2018. I want to say we like started at like $7.99 and now it's like up over $15.99 now yeah. or something like that. So, I mean, there has been a jump, but I think I feel like it, like it's like we were talking before. Netflix is now having to catch up. They were the ones who started this technology and got the ball rolling. And now they're having to catch up with these other networks that are basically one being funded by big other networks behind them. And B, are pulling in the catalog that they need. Um, you know, I see this as a death to cable. I mean, once all the streaming networks start gaining what they need and have a backlog, kind of what, like Paramount Plus still, like I'm still trying to figure out the fucking purpose of that app. It's like they took everything <laughs> from our nostalgic era and slammed it into an app with nothing fucking new other than iCarly. And in all honesty, nobody wants to watch that. I mean, it was a nice little, give us Lizzie McGuire, okay? Or something we actually right? do about, okay? <laughs> um, but there, there's not, there's no substance there. And so once you have pulled all these networks, I feel bad for Netflix because what is it going to have? You know, Hulu's already got a huge, huge network behind it and has been pulling ABC and all these other big time, um, you know, networks, as we say. Disney Plus has pretty much sweeped up everything else. So what do we have left? That, that's a great point, is that Netflix is not tied to a pre-existing back catalog of their own original content. I mean, say what you want. We would have all predicted Disney Plus be a success if alone for their back catalog for a parent who just wants some sort of Disney thing to throw on for their kids. My sister has two kids, like aged seven and five. Disney Plus is the world's got it greatest greatest invention ever. Okay, but the reality is it wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Netflix. That's true. Literally That's would true. not be here for Netflix. Like it wouldn't even be a chasm of a thought for a lot of people. Unless Netflix had laid the groundwork. And I think that's that's the key point of this whole discussion is as much as we can bash Netflix for its pricing, for it not having an original service, if we look at how the industry has just changed in the last eight, 10 years, okay, that Netflix has been around, they started the game and now they're having to play catch up. It's almost like the parent. The parent has birthed all these other little kids, and now they're grandparents in their wheelchair, just trying to. Trying to catch right, up can, to you, them. can you get me Elon Musk and a robot, please? You know. Well, that's like, good. Yeah, that's good. I, I completely agree. Completely agree. I mean, but like everything else, Elon Musk always... needs to buy Netflix. There we go. That'll solve. Oh, everything. that'll solve everything. Musk, but like everything else, there is the the first iteration, and then. It gets built on, right? It, it, it continues to be iterated and it becomes a relic. And if Netflix is just at the time where it becomes a relic, if Netflix goes ahead and puts in their ads, I'll just cut Netflix because I'm not watching Netflix with ads. That was like we my should. college years. Like, I just, I don't want to go back to that. Like, that was hard. Yeah. It's not fun to deal with commercials when you're drunk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, um, I always tell people the the one platform I would hold on for dear life myself is YouTube, actually, YouTube Premium. I just, the algorithms are so primed for me now to, like, give me the shit I want every single day. It is just beautiful. 
and to have no ads. I have just, we've had it now for a month and I'm not going to lie. I am very, very impressed by YouTube premium, all the networks I get, I get my local, like getting my local channels. I didn't think Mm -hmm. that was possible unless with Hulu it's the bang for your buck is almost equivalent to, to, uh, to Disney plus like the amount of networks and the amount of shows you get. So honestly, listener, or, uh, you know, if, if you are thinking about cutting cable and you, but you still want to be attached to like news and everything. Yeah. You can go get the little satellite thing or, you know, where antenna digital thing, but YouTube, YouTube premium is legit. Like you're yeah. going to get a lot. It's almost comparable to having like a Comcast, like cable box or something like that. Yep. That's a great point because I watched the news and stuff like that on it as well. And you're making me miss it. Maybe I'll get rid of Netflix and just get a new premium again. It's it's been really nice. I, I uh, all right, I'm, screw Netflix. Fuck you, yeah. Netflix. <laughs> okay, done. but I have like a soft spot for I I used to live uh or I used to live. I used to live in Los Gatos, but I used to do a lot of nanny families that I work for right across from Netflix headquarters. And I had a few families who actually their parents work for Netflix. So it's it's got a special place in my heart. Um, I know they've built it from the ground up and it just I think it's it's a part of the Silicon history, you know. Same thing. I look at Apple and HP, you know, you guys, uh, it started in a garage and now look at how it's changed the industry that it is. Yeah, that that's fair. All right. I like it. Typical podcast fashion. We didn't necessarily answer anything. We just talked for about an hour and a half. So let's move on. Making Leland's life a living hell in editing. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to our hybrid segment. We have the movie is titled perfecting the podcast. Now, I believe that in the next couple of months is going to be five years for the podcast and the, my encouragement party, my RPG podcast, uh, we just had our three year in, in April. And then of course, Shannon, you have recently started back up your own TGON podcast, right? Yep. We're, we've been survived one year. Um, I'm quite proud of that. I'm working on year two. Uh, this move kind of, kind of kicked me in the butt. Um, I've only done one podcast this year, but you know, we, like we talked about in the beginning, I like talking to other people who do podcasts so that like this conversation today started out with, well, I recorded all these podcasts before I moved, but they're stuck on this computer and I can't get them off. So yeah, that's where my podcasts are. They're on the computer and I can't get them off until I, <laughs> until I find the, the hard files drive. are in the computer. <laughs> inside the computer. They're in there and I Zoolander. need my hard drive. I need them. I need my hard drive to get them off, but that's in a box somewhere in my garage behind all the pops. So um, yeah, we'll get around to it when we can. Yeah. And, and you know, we really wanted this segment to be because I, I, I mean, you didn't have a podcast when you were first on with us and it kind of grew organically out of Game of Nerds. And I think Leland and I, having been in the, um, having done a podcast for five years, we've learned a lot. But what's interesting is the, the fact to be able to talk to you who's kind of still a newcomer on the scene. And, you know, I think we're just legitimately interested in what your experience has been and and the do's and the don'ts that you've learned. Because like we were joking about before we recorded, everybody's got a fucking podcast these days. Listeners probably going to start one. So you might as well give some advice. <laughs> I think the biggest thing that I have learned and and I, I, I hold this in all professional aspects and in my career collaboration over competition. 
you can compete all you want with other people. That's fine. Um, but the real beauty of life and your and growing your career and your passion, your hobby is connecting with people who just understand like, and, and yeah. who, who just understand that this, that this is a lot of different pieces. And I think when people start a podcast, they're like, oh yeah, it's just sitting down recording. And that's, that's all I do. Um, you guys have two of you. Okay. You guys both get to, to do, uh, one does editing and all that kind of the tech stuff. And one of you does all the admin work. There's only one of me. Um, I do everything from setting up the appointments and digging through all the guests and trying to decide who's worthy to be on the podcast and who's not. Um, Usually it comes down if you can hold a conversation, which I feel like that is a very minimum requirement, but I meet a lot of people who are just (laughs) like, no, I'm sorry, your numbers aren't big enough, or I I really want to just talk about my, so it's just, you know what, it's nice to collaborate with people and go, hey, my mic isn't working, or I can't, I can't download audacity because my computer physically won't let me, can you help me out, and not being met with somebwho's like, well, it's, Never mind. We'll just we're gonna move on from a guest. You guys literally spent right. 30 with minutes trying to figure out the microphone. Like that, that's the beauty of once again, collaboration versus competition. I agree. And I think one of the places that I am trying to push as we've done the podcast more and more is we've met some good guests through past guests that we've had. So For example, we had a guest, uh, I mean, I'm pretty, I don't have social anxiety. So I had this guy, Eric Petey, um, who's been on the podcast, one of our guests, he bought a bunch of my retro video games. He's a retro video game collector. And in our conversations, I found out that he's like way high in the CGI uh, animation for films. Like he was literally King Kong in the recent King Kong as well as animating King Kong. Like, he motion captured up. So he's done all this cool stuff. His first big project he worked on was James Bond, Die Another Day. He had a great, hilarious, like, talk about how crappy the CGI was on that, which it is. He's, and he's actually become a, a personal friend. But through him, he's like, hey, I know a guy that is really cool and wants to be on a podcast. You know, he's he heard me on your podcast he thought it sounded like a lot of fun. This guy's name was Daniele, and he actually was an animator for video games. He works on Leland's favorite of all time series, God of War. Leland did not worship him like I thought he would, but he, he kept control. But, he kept uh, his fanboying to a minimum. He kept Look, his fanboying to a minimum. The camera is basically from the nips up. So anything <laughs> below, you don't know what's going on down there. You don't know. <laughs> but, you know, he he was a fantastic guest. And we've had a few cases so far. And I want there to be more cases of guessing, hey, you need to talk to this person or you need to talk to that person. And so I'm hoping you you brought up collaboration. I'm hoping to get in touch with more podcasts such as yourself, where we're truly passionate about doing it, about, you know, sharing information and having good discussions, not just self-promoting a book or some crap like that, but that we get this collaborative sort of network going, this almost economy of people that want to be on other podcasts, cross-pollinate ideas and discussions. So when we're talking in a year or two, 
This is something else that I hope we're talking about is that we've seen increased collaboration. Well, with everybody and their mother having a podcast, it's kind of easy to now go and, you know, I think really honestly, because I'm, as you guys know, I play in two different kind of pools here. I play in the nerd pool a lot because of the game of nerds, but as a childcare coach, I do play with the parenting podcast and the mom boss podcast and things like that. It almost seems like two different worlds. I'm going to be honest with you. The nerdy podcasts are so much more usually laid back. Um, they're fun. They're interesting conversations. And, you know, like everyone's, oh, what are you eating? What do, would you, what do you have for dinner? How's Marvel? Things like that. And then I'll go into like parenting and other podcasts and it's so professional. Like it's a stick up your butt scenario and I'm like panicking and I am having anxiety. So it really depends, I guess, on your niche. Um, I feel more comfortable in this area, kind of shooting shit about like different movies and topics than having to put my professional brain on and be professional Shannon, which is a whole different mindset. So I think it just kind of depends on your niche we're lucky. We've got a really fun niche, but there's not a lot of us because we were talking about this previously. I use Matchmaker FM. Um, it's a great website. It basically puts podcasts and guests together where you can, you know, you put in what kind of podcast you're running and you'll find a bunch of guests. Or if you're a guest looking for podcasts to be on, you can make a, a count that way. And that's how we've found a lot of our guests um, for TGON is by finding people who I wouldn't have connected with Um, But I've also met a lot of, I've met a lot of people in the most unusual ways. Like you say, like, oh, we've met them through another guest. I've had a parent, like I've had a parenting consult in my other business and found out like, oh yeah, I, I do video game therapy for children. Like I'm a, I'm a licensed psychologist that helps kids with their problems by playing video games. I'm like, holy crap. Are you kidding me? Come on my podcast. I need you. And then you see the mom go, you have a podcast about nerdy stuff. No way. It's like the unicorns and like the the rainbow comes out. It's like the greatest days of my life when I meet those kind of people. But there's also, I, we talk about it too. There's like a dark side to, to all of it where there can be like a lot of people who are just out for their own, their own gain. Like they're, they aren't out to collaborate. They're just out there to promote. Right. And I think the problem with so many people having podcasts now, you know, I guess perhaps the technology's improved a bit so that it's more accessible because, you know, when Leland and I and Go Smarty, God rest his soul, you know, started this whole thing five years ago, you know, we really had to kind of research what we were doing and it was hard work. Like we had to want to want to do a podcast. And I feel like nowadays, like I said, whether it's the technology is easier or whatnot, it's it's more accessible for people, but they also don't know what they're doing. And in a weird way, there are people that are doing it that don't have the passion that we do. Now, that sounds egotistical, but it's honestly not because it's people that are more just maybe it's just fun for them to throw on a mic and hear themselves talk or they're lonely and they want to talk to somebody else for an hour or two. It's more of just not thought out. I see a lot of this podcast, like, uh, like two friends thought, like got drunk and thought this was going to be the world's greatest idea to do. Um, And in the reality, it wasn't thought through. And it comes back to my original point of it's not just sitting down, hitting record 
and you throw it on right. Apple, uh, you know, throw it on Apple or you throw it on Spotify. That's not how this works. Um, there's a lot of pieces. There's a lot of learning curve. Um, I've cried to you guys many a times about my learning curves that I've learned from broken mics to things not working to how, what do you use to record? There's a whole learning curve. And I think the pandemic kind of just spiked this like, oh yeah, we're all at home. All I have to do is order a mic through Amazon and talk on my computer through GarageBand and I can just put up a podcast. And there have been a lot of people who have been successful, but we talk about this a lot about quality, you know, like at what point are, is it too much? And I, I struggle with this a lot um, as a podcaster is I have perfectionism. Like I want it to be perfect. And no matter what you do, it's not going to be perfect. And at some point, somebody has got to cut me off and just put it out there, press publish, get it out. But there's, and when I say perfection, it means I'm doing it. I'm doing the editing there. There's a lot of people who can pay a lot of money to make their problems disappear to be done well. And when you have that kind of bank account, then that that's great. You can make it, but there's a lot of us who are doing it on our own. Like Leland is going to be sitting, recording this, uh, you know, editing this episode, cursing my name the entire time while he does it because it takes time to do these things. Yes. Like somebody has to do it. Like it's not just magically going to do it and nobody throw like if anybody tells you they throw raw like just a raw recording on their feed and like calls it a podcast, they're a liar. Everybody edits their shit. <laughs> yes. And you know I, I think that's a great segue for something I wanted to bring up in the segment which which is the effort involved. So if listeners listening to this and says, "You know what? I want to start, you know, a a podcast for myself, you really have to know what's involved to do it right. So you kind of hit the nail on the head, Shannon, in that um, I'm very lucky to have Leland. Leland, I'm going to kiss your ass live, so enjoy it, because it ain't going to happen for a long time. But Leland is a godsend, <laughs> because you're right, that editing is tough. That is not something I can do myself well. I probably wouldn't ever be able to be an independent podcaster, because you're right, Leland has to go back and listen to these hours of talking that he just did and you know whoops there's a cough or something or whoops. it's not just one time it's like three or four or five or six or seven like yeah like I'm doing the Wayne's world I'm not worthy because the people I have my own editor because I got to the point where I literally was getting panic attacks like I would be like oh I've set aside my time to do my editing and I literally get myself in a panic attack because I knew it was going to take me three times longer to do it than anybody than somebody else doing it because I wasn't very good at doing it. And I knew when I was going to get done with it, I wasn't going to be happy with the way the episode turned out because I'm the one who edited it and took five hours doing it. But yet exactly. I found a really nice editor who, who, who can do it a lot faster in an hour and a half and has time and does this professionally. I, I gladly have him do it and, and, and save myself the Sandy. And so I think that's the biggest other lesson I've learned besides collaboration is know where your strengths and weaknesses are. And if something is, is causing you enough pain right. to where you're like, oh my God, like anxiety, stop doing it. Just stop. And if it's something you can buy out or have somebody do, or you have a friend who, then, then outsource those things. But if you don't, you have to really take a hard look at what you're doing. And if it's worth, you know, like, is it worth your sanity is what I always say. Is this worth my sanity? Yes. Cause I love talking to other people and I love doing what I do. You know, it's interesting. I've, I've had the feeling myself um, sometimes because 
I I admit that the episode art that I do is very inconsistent. Um, it depends how inspired I am, and my Photoshop skills aren't the greatest. I'm trying to learn, which obviously takes time. But um, even on some of the crappier art that I've done, there are times where like I'm there with like basically like the paintbrush in Photoshop that's like two pixels cleaning like tiny little pixels and those are the moments where I'm like do I really want to do this and it's just you're frustrated and you're like of course I want to do this but it's those frustrating moments of doing that for like half an hour you know scrubbing pixels and you're like is it worth it or in my case I mean we've had some fantastic amazing guests on the show pretty much every guest who's actually come on but I've chased a lot of guests who have raise my hopes like pretty famous people or pretty well-known people in their area of the geek field and then they flake out on you nothing pisses me off more nothing right so if actually i'm editing is up there but when people talk to me about like oh well not a lot goes into a podcast this is how i break it down for them i go first you have to find the guest, which is its own maraud of figuring out, right? You find the guest, you then have to, you know, if it's a new person you haven't talked to, you got to vet them out to make sure that you're not going to be wasting your time. Cause I've already made that mistake in, in the prior earlier years of getting my time wasted, always vet your guests and make sure that they can actually hold a conversation. And then you've got to schedule it, which is like playing. If you've ever done an appointment with someone it's like playing back and forth well does this date work for you does this date work for you does this time work for you does that time work time math if you've got to do it go god help you right right you have to make your skeleton so basically what what how your podcast is run any notes that you have to do how the podcast is going to be run out usually that's like a page to two pages plus all the questions you're going to ask and stuff like that have that person overlook it 95, uh, I would say a good 90% of my guests do not even like type into our skeleton. They'll leave it blank, giving me a massive panic attack up until recording time. Cause I'll send them a reminder. Hey, we're recording tomorrow. And then it's recording day. And I have had times where I have booked out my entire day for recording and not one person has showed up. And, oh, and I'm like, I have blocked out my whole effing Saturday and not one of you could email me or tell me what's going on or anything at all. Like I've yeah. not only have I wasted my entire Saturday, but now I have like no content. Like I have, I'm back at ground zero where I was, but if they do show up, you've now got to record the whole episode. Like, like we're doing. And then somebody's got to take that file. Unfortunately, this is Leland on this one. Okay. Leland's going to have to sit <laughs> and listen to this over and over and over again and edit it and be the God that he is, because this is where I cry and start having to panic attacks. And I'm just going to go, I'm not worthy to Leland because <laughs> fucking Christ. Okay. And then you get it done. And then you have to email these people an entire email. Hey, guess what? Your podcast is coming out. I've made these cool arts for you to like promote because you can't just put a podcast out. You've got to tell the guests that you're putting out because you need them to promote it too. So you got to get them on board. And I, do you guys do articles for your guys's? Like you guys don't, you guys have like a, like a, uh, when you publish your podcast, it usually has like a, uh, article with it or like a write out. Yeah, you we know have we, show notes on the website. Yeah, show notes, we, okay. Yeah, notes. We used to do actual 
articles that we would host on our website too. Those were usually written by me. I've dropped the ball on that. So I got to get that going. So see, I, I do every episode has a, has an entire, you know, article where I kind of do the short, short notes. And then I put in that, you know, being a, you know, having your own podcast when you have a guest on, they have to give you all their links and where to promote and the pictures and all that guys. And you have to make sure everything's done to a T because there's a 50 50 chance. If you F up, that person is going to come back and eat you alive. Okay. (laughs) Come back and eat you alive. So make sure it's done. Right. And then you've got to publish it. Now, here's the caveat. If you've messed up any of those, any, anything within that span of publishing, there is no like, oh yeah, I can just re-edit and no, you got to delete the motherfucker and start all like, got to repost it and do it all over again and hope to God that the system doesn't have some blip where you're going to have two episodes posted, you know, of the same thing. So it's, what seems like, oh yeah, one afternoon of recording is really two, three, four weeks of hell. Exactly. It, it is work. It is work and it's work. You're not, you know, necessarily paid for and, you know, don't get me wrong listener. Yeah. When we're talking to Shannon, who we love about stuff, we love, this is the fun part, but it's like the cliche of the tip of the iceberg. There's the nice shiny iceberg on top Three quarters of it is under freezing salt water. And that's where the real work is done. Leland, do you edit both of your po- this podcast and the other podcast that you do? Yes. Holy fuck. You like deserve like a purple like heart award <laughs> because I like, no, dude, I seriously get panic attack. Like I, I literally can break out in a hot sweat right now. If you told me I had to edit something like that, like I just, I, yeah. People like you are gods. And, and once again, it goes back to the talent thing. Anybody who can bitch about how a podcast is done or it's not edited, right. It sounds like sh- I'd like to see you try like literally yeah, exactly. would like to see you try. I tell the same yeah. thing to people who email us. Well, that writer is wrong. And really, well, you can write your own opinion. And I'll publish it. Go right ahead. Go, go right ahead. But they don't want to, because they know they can't. And that's the reality. And I think a lot of us get beaten up when we start to see podcasts that obviously have a lot of money and backing and sponsorships to them and sound so clean and they have that cool intro and it, you know, it sounds, and here we are doing ours, like the, you know, we are just so down to earth and it is, you know, it is, it's recorded the way we are. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, podcasts like ours, because it's our personality and it's our heart, you know, that's all we have. You know, it may not, we, we may never make a penny off this if, if you're a podcaster, but if you have, you know, this passion, you hopefully will find the right people. You know, if you do enough, put the work in to promote enough. I mean, I love uh, Facebook ads. I'll drop Facebook ads for a, 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 you know, big episode that we drop and that we actually get pretty good traction out of a few bucks spent on that. Yeah. And, and to go back to Leland, you're right. I mean, the guy is talented because he has these two podcasts. I've seen his work, like his actual podcasting on the Incorrigible Party, and his great work that he does. You know, he's he should be a professional at this. I, I hope one day just suddenly our Patreon, you know, Elon Musk comes in and he's like, yeah, I want the T-Hud podcast. You know, here's a billion dollars. <laughs> What's your valuation? Yeah, never going to happen. But is but it then, fun to you? Like, yeah. Leland, is it fun to you when you sit and edit? Or do you ever get to the point where you're just like, yeah, I would rather shoot myself than try and edit this because that's where I'm like. <laughs> uh, I, do, I do enjoy the editing process. 
And uh, I've been a little quiet. Uh, thank you both for all of the praise, <laughs> by the way. And I am just kind of taking it in and kind of over here giving myself a bit of a reach around. And uh, I do enjoy the editing. I really do enjoy the editing process. I personally really enjoy being on mic. I get off to the sound of my own voice quite often, quite easily. And I love uh, I love this type of podcast that we have. And it's funny that we're talking about from the view of a podcast that routinely has guests on it. And our show didn't always used to be that way. Uh, so, so I think that it's funny just adding that component in really does exacerbate all of the technical problems, editing problems, scheduling problems. Everything just gets amplified when you're adding guests to your show. And I really do love the collaboration over competition uh, mantra because I always, from the outset of when you know when we lost Go- dearly beloved Ghost Marty uh, to the Nether Realm. And we decided, hey, let's have let's have some guests. Like from the outset, we were like, well, we want them. We're we want on guest co-hosts, not guests. Right, right, right. And I think that is maybe a little bit more nuanced than somebody would bother to stop and think about. But to me, it really, really is important. And so this show is vastly different compared to the Incursible Party. Is the Incursible Party is a Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition live play, and. That, I mean, there's five of us, so there are five voices that I'm managing on that show, but we are, I mean, we've been telling this story for three years, and the editing is very different than it is for a show like this. You guys so got it I down like, to a science at that point, well, because you've got, everybody knows what they're supposed to be, their equipment and everything like that. Well, yes, exactly. It, that also helps, again, because that's the difference is we don't have, I mean, we don't have, we had some guests like non-player NPCs, non-player characters into our main show for a time in the beginning, but we haven't done that in ages because uh, because of various reasons, mostly because I don't like it. But yes, <laughs> you're right. When you, have, when you have a show that has consistent hosts, then yes, you get into the rhythm one with, with each other. You get a rapport. Like even when, when Moby and I don't have a guest list episode, I, still, I really enjoy those episodes because I like sitting here talking about shit with Moby. Uh, I mean, Moby and I have been friends for going on 20 years almost here, right? So you're right. It's like you get into the habit. Everyone knows their setup. You you get dial in. But even with that, even with the veteran, you still have you still have hiccups. I mean, uh, our March episode, we had to cut half in half because I had technical difficulties with my recording. And it sucks when it happens. Um, it's tough when you don't really have a backup, which there's so – the thing is there's so much more – on the technical side that we could potentially be doing one to safeguard recordings, to keep backups, to have a more sophisticated system. Um, but with that sophistication also comes more potential points of failure. So it's like almost like you really got to weigh it out. And I think if you find something that works for you and you can keep it consistent, then stick with it. Because if, if it's, if it's not like you say, if it's not causing you to pull your hair out, Every time you're going to sit down to do it, then I think you found something that can work for you. And hopefully the audience, you'll find your audience. My seeing has always been more tech, more problems. So I just, I go for the <laughs> bare minimum. And that, but then I also like back to the perfectionist thing, I'll like listen to a nerd podcast that's been done like in a studio and is sponsored and everything. And you know, it like sounds so good. I'm like, 
why can't I sound that good? And my husband's like, Shannon, it's because there it's the money. Like, you know, like it's almost one of those things where it's just like, well, you, you know, that they're, they've paid a lot of money to have it this way. And, and then I look cost effectiveness and we go back to like, you know, we're not making any money. What's the cost effective way for us to continue to have these conversations? Because as much as it's a stress thing for me, sitting down and having these conversations with other adults who are not my husband and my child fills my cup beyond belief. Mm. Um, and that's the whole reason I started the podcast was I was stuck at home with an infant newborn or newborn and my husband in the middle of a pandemic. And I had nobody to talk nerdy stuff to. And I just wanted to talk supernatural. I just wanted to talk Marvel movies and not with my husband and my daughter. And this is the outlet I've created. And if it, it's it, yeah, it greens traffic to the site. We're getting more things, but ultimately I'm getting to meet all these new people that I would have never, ever met if I didn't just, you know, have the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I like, um, I don't know. I, I like, uh, I like, like I said, I like to be on microphone and it's funny that at, after we were Moby and I with the ghost Marty were out for dinner after seeing the Nick Cage movie. And we were kind of talking about work and, you know, I'm complaining about my work because I hate my job. And Ghost Marty kind of said, well, you know, it's funny, like with all your podcasting stuff, that's very, it's more extroverted versus everything you've ever done for a living is, you know, been in the back of a warehouse kind of away from people and that kind of stuff. And I thought, well, I mean, we didn't really carry on the conversation from that, but I mean, it's totally true. I have a bit of a reputation for being a surly prick. Um, most... A lot of the time is self-perpetuated, I will admit, but I do enjoy conversing with new people. Like, again, like we, I mean, you're like a great friend now and yeah, I love having the guests on. I'm really glad we decided to do that. And I am, I'm thankful for the work that you put in Moby for finding the guests and vetting the guests because that is also a lot of work like you've both been discussing. Uh, so I'm glad I don't have to do that because that's where my limit is, right? Like for... If I had to do that on my own, that it's the flip side of Moby and the edit. If I had to do that on myself, like it just wouldn't happen. I I, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> it it takes an extrovert who just has like zero social anxiety. Doesn't matter if someone's famous. You know, I'll write these huge emails that never get responded to, trying to get guests on the show. But I don't mind. Hey, you got because- me on Craigslist. I yeah. got you on Craigslist. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah, that's the true story. That, you found Shannon on Craigslist. <laughs> I found I found Shannon. Now you can't I, even put a sex ad on Craigslist. <laughs> that, that's oh. how times have changed. <laughs> and it wasn't it wasn't a sex ad. It was a help wanted for writers, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> you know what though? That was that first ad got the best traction of any of them because we got you, which is amazing. We also got Braden DeMori Purdy, who is a director. He was great. We've had him on a few times. And he actually invited me to the premiere of his movie, which was like an experience I'll never forget. We got Mike Herman, another Triple Crown guest. Mike, you know, he's he's great. He fills a niche because he loves controversies in the geek world. So, you know, some video game gets canceled or some studio has an issue. It's like, Mike, you're on. You no, know, and it's, it's just, but it's nice to have those people in your back pocket because the totally. reality is when you have those days where the three people decide not to show up for your recording and you're like sitting there ripping your hair out going, how the shit am I going to get all these podcasts out? I don't, I don't have time. And you're thinking, 
no, I'm just going to call Moby and Leland and see if they'll come do an episode. And having those people where you can have a conversation and be like, yeah, somebody just screwed me. I spent my whole entire Saturday waiting for four different appointments and not one of them showed up and people having empathy and be like, okay, well, I can't do this week, but can you do next week? Can we make it work? You know, and having the, once again, the collaboration over competition, because I've seen in other industries where a mom trips or falls or a mama and the moms are all laughing, like, ha ha, you're just behind now. Like, all right, the rest of us are going to keep going. That's not the mentality in this niche. And that's what I, I love about it, I guess. Yeah, I, absolutely. And I mean, I think, you know, you're, you're absolutely right about having guests in your back pocket where, you know, if you're struggling to find a, a new guest, you know, you can throw someone in, but you know, there's also this element of continuity to the show, you know, listener likes, you know, listener likes this kind of guest and then listener likes this kind of guest and then you have that guest on a few times because they're really good it adds some some continuity there i mean we even bring back ghost marty you know we run a seance there's some special music that leland plays holy and shit Did he ghost got his marty. own theme song and everything now jeez he wow. has his own jingle i suppose it is yeah his own little jingle he has his holy own jingle fuck, how many times do i have to show up to get my own jingle <laughs> Well, I mean, well, you have to, to go be, to L first. You have to go to L. Yeah, that's where we're summoning him from. Sweetheart, I own the place. <laughs> my dad, as a reference, when I was in high school, my uh, my nickname, my dad would always say, I'm the only girl, and I have two younger brothers. And my dad would go, Nope, the queen of hell has just arrived. Like, she's here, <laughs> the queen of hell. And so, yeah, no, I've just, I've always, I, and I attached to supernatural. And then so it just kind of feeds into me. So, yeah, the running joke is, she, you know, hell's hell's waiting for Shannon to take over. So you're technically Ghost Marty's boss then. Yeah, yeah, he's my bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you're the oh, one shoving a pineapple I. up his ass. <laughs> he will tell him. Oh, said I. He'll just, he's the most introverted of the three of us. He'll just slowly put his sunglasses on and walk back into the fire. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he'll do. You know, one thing I wanted to just discuss, because I knew we were going to get deep into problems and stuff with podcasting as well, but like fun moments, unexpected moments that you have. Like I've got one interesting anecdote I want to bring up, which I may have brought up on the show before, but I'll I'll leave that for a moment. But um, Shannon, we'll start with you, but Leland, I want to hear as well, maybe even if it happened in the incorrigible party, just some weird, unexpected, fun things you've seen or experienced in your, your podcasting journey. All right, go Leland. Ah, uh, well, I mean, I don't know if it's specifically because of po the podcasting or just because in the nature of the type of podcast, but I mean, throughout, throughout our story of the incursible party, just a lot of fucking weird shit has happened and a lot of funny stuff has happened. But I think even kind of outside of the vein, we actually have started put the motions started uh, to have an IP con in 2023, which, you know, we have a, a fairly active discord with uh, has most of our patrons in there. And um, yeah, it's just going to be uh, trying to put together a, a little retreat to, you know, a cabin and just to play board games and RPGs for like four days. With with fans like fans are going to be able to come. Yeah. Please it's send very... me an invite. I want to come. Yeah, well, fill out the survey. I... It's, it's it's very well, cool. You're going to have to send me the survey so I can get find my I Love Leland shirt, okay? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's awesome. I can't believe you're having a con. This is new to me, but this is so cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of mind blowing. It's gonna be a lot to set up. Um, it might just depending on interest, it might just turn out to be like the five hosts of Incursion Party and Emma. So the six of us just going on by ourselves, which would be fine with me. That would be that would be fine too. Um, but yeah, no, it's really it's really it's really cool. And honestly, like I have never met any of my co-hosts of the Incursion Party in person. So and we've been doing this for three years, and I consider them like four of my closest friends, like T-Hud close friends, right? Wow. So, yeah, it's pretty phenomenal. It's pretty phenomenal. I mean, I met Emma as a result of podcasting. Emma used to have her own um, podcast and used to do a lot of Twitch streaming as, uh, as well, the Pointless Parrot Podcast, which is a great, again, another show that every episode has a new guest on. Um, very uh, board game centric. It has a board game guests, but, you know, they talk about other stuff um, in addition to board games in the industry. Great show to check out. I mean, she hasn't she doesn't do it anymore, but it's still up there to to, to find. Um, so podcasting has brought me like everything I hold near and dear, like everything I cherish. Podcasting has really brought it to me. So I can't, I could never say that you know the hours and hours of editing were never ever worth it because look at what I have from it. How how could I ever say that? And I'm kind of in the same boat because. TGON, a lot of people don't realize, but before TGON was a website, we were a podcast. And this was back in 2013 when podcasts were like non-existent, right? We thought, oh, we'll yeah. just record ourselves and put us on YouTube. And, you know, Apple Podcasts had just come out. We were like, oh yeah, we could, we could do this. We got like four episodes in. I'm like, yeah, fuck this. We're not doing this. We'll go to a <laughs> website. And then we we literally transformed from, uh, went into Tumblr. And then from Tumblr, when Tumblr was bought out by Yahoo, went over to, to WordPress. So we've kind of like had this evolution but we started as a podcast, like that's how we grew those four episodes. And to kind of go back, I knew I needed to go back when the pandemic hit. Like I was like, okay, I, I can't get on a con floor. I have no way to can, I had lost my ability to connect with the nerd world. I felt like I was completely cut off. So it's kind of allowed me to jump back into a world that I thought I've lost um, and connect with people and just have conversations that I'm not having on a daily basis. A lot of I'll, as, as much as I am CEO and founder, and I, I run TGON every single day, my nine to five is a childcare coach. I talk to parents and nannies all dang day. And there's very rarely that I meet a parent or a nanny who is a geek related. I mean, occasionally, sometimes I'll get that beautiful unicorn rainbow, but that's rare. So I cherish with all my heart these podcast hours to where I get to talk about Dr. Who I get to talk about supernatural, even conversations like this. We've, I mean, we've been going on almost three hours and I literally could talk to you guys forever um, because I love <laughs> you guys and we have built this relationship and I wouldn't have it if I didn't have a podcast or I didn't go out to do podcasting. So podcast has brought a lot of good and happiness to my life. Um, and I, ha but I also know a lot of people who are like, I could never be on a podcast and talk and everything. Now I see it as like, almost like clubhouse. Like I, my house could be on fire and nobody would know because all you're hearing is the sound of my voice. Like, right. like, I love that. I, I don't have to get cute. I don't have to look pretty. You just have to listen to the sound of my voice. I could be wearing a robe for all, you know, listener. And I'm like, you don't know. But I'm in my PJs. Don't worry, I'm good. <laughs> but that like, I legitimately am too. That's the, that's now. the beauty of podcasting is it's it's 
it's kind of removed the people who, who aren't comfortable with showing their faces and being like, you know, like, Oh, star to kind of give them a mask to kind of hide. And, Oh yeah, I can talk about my feelings and everything here, but I really don't have to show my face or get pretty, I guess, if that makes any sense. No, it makes complete sense. It's another avenue for people to express themselves. And I think that's always going to be a positive, a positive thing. Speaking of looking pretty, that's that's a good segue into just a few quick anecdotes I wanted to bring up for the weird section. So we haven't actually had a actress yet on the show, but we've had a few women that have applied who are actresses. And what they end up doing, though, is they end up emailing me pictures of them dolled up and their measurements. And I'm like, you know, this is a podcast, right? Like we can't see you. Thank you for showing us, you know, that you're an attractive person, but it's not going to matter on, on the podcast. So I always found that curious. Um, another thing that where people, where guests fall apart in the vetting process, because I've done that Craigslist ad a few more times, I just haven't had as much success. I'll maybe get one good guest out of it. Craigslist but, has gone down the tube, so don't don't even worry about it. It's not I, it's it's not it's not you. It's Craigslist. <laughs> yeah, well, one one thing I'm going to try, and this is going to involve a lot of vetting, but I am going to run a small Facebook ad on the podcast's um, uh, Facebook page, looking for a guest, and we'll see what we get because we have had people that have found our Facebook page before and have messaged us to come on and want to be guests. Mixed results. Some have been good. Some have fallen apart. But another place where guests fall apart in the vetting is, as you know, Shannon, we both create skeletons before the the uh, episode. And I found some people that seem like they could be good. And then you're like, well, what are you into? And they're like, well, I'm a geek. I'm like, OK, that's cool. Like, we're geeks here, too. But we need to, like, build a show around movies or video games or board games. What do you like? All of them. OK, well, what are some specifics? And, you know, you can tell they actually just want to come on and talk or something, but they don't know anything or they're just not passionate enough. So I curiously lose a lot of people there. And then sometimes you just get the weirdos. The last the last kind of like group that you were talking about was like, yeah, 100 percent. What I yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they want to come yeah. on they're like, yeah, I love, you know, so like a topic and I'll mention a topic like, yeah, I'm really passionate about it. OK, well, let's talk about it. And they have nothing to say. And it's one thing if I don't know anything about the topic, like at hand or whatever, like let's say, for example, I knew nothing. Well, I did know something when we did Nico's episode of furries because he's our furry writer. But I went into that episode doing a little bit of minimal research because I knew that Nico was going to take us through all of this stuff and is going to explain it to me. But he can explain it. Most people who like I asked to do like Doctor Who, for example, couldn't even tell me what a doctor they liked was. I'm like, how the fuck can you like Doctor Who if you can't even tell me one doctor? You can't even pick a number. Pick yeah, a right. number. It's Look, not even that hard. Every everybody has their favorite doctor, okay? And it's always David Tennant. If it's anyone else, it's wrong. But yes, everyone has true. everyone Leland who watched, is right. Hashtag Leland is right. You hashtag Leland is right. Join hashtag Team Leland. Hashtag Matt Smith. Hashtag <laughs> no, no, no. Matt Smith can go jump off a fucking cliff. Okay, it's David Tennant all the way. Yep. 
No, but it's, 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 it's funny how you will, you kind of have to go through that vetting process and kind of like talk to people and we're like, okay, well, what do you want to talk about? What kind of episode? And you can almost tell in the first 10 minutes of conversating if it's going to work or not. And the reality is, is that there's some people who get pissed off because you like, you're like, oh, we're not interested or we're booked or we're not doing episodes right now. The reality is, is if you own your own podcast, you get to choose what goes out. Like if you didn't like the guests, you didn't like how the episode turned like turned out, you don't have to publish it. Like, and, and I've had, I've had full conversations and gotten off a podcast and go, yeah, there's no fucking way this is going out. I've wasted (laughs) an hour of my time, but there's no going out because it was like pulling teeth. Fortunately, very luckily Leland and I have not had that happen yet. Famous last words. I, I have been a guest on a podcast where that happened. And, um, you know, I, I'm not going to mention the name of that individual, but it was a very uncomfortable experience because, you know, you're a guest and sure, you're expecting to contribute and be outgoing. But when that other person has nothing to say and they're the host, it's it's really awkward. Or it could um, be worse. Your guest just doesn't show up because he's out for a run and leaves Leland on his own. <laughs> I deserve that. I, I completely deserve that. That that was an unintentional but incredibly dick move. You- so I forever owe you. Oh, it's but- just it's it's forever going to be like the statement on the podcast. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's yeah. so glad you could, you know, run on over here for us. And you are welcome doing that till the day I die. Because there's going to be a point where I'm like 80 and I can't run anymore. And oh, I'll it's like, okay. That brings you back good memories. Right? I'm pretty sure our listeners are still convinced you're like in the, the trunk of some car on a runaway. Because that's how we worded our your last episode. Because you're, once again, <laughs> going back to technical difficulties and bullshit. Your episode got recorded weird where your audio was weird. My audio was fine. And it sounded like you were in the middle of a tunnel in a like wow. we're driving in a tunnel and we're like, yeah, it's fine. You know what? Like I'm just, he's, he's driving in the car and he's running away from whoever was trying to murder him on his run. <laughs> That's what we're going and we're going with it. I pissed off Leland that day. It was him who was trying to murder me. That's, that's the, uh, you know, the well, irony was, of the situation. He was generally concerned for your safety. He's like, he's normally here. Like there's something I, wrong. Yeah, he's I was, not yeah, answering yeah. my text. I was we like, like, what? This <laughs> is so unlike Moby, but as always, Leland Steele is the consummate professional, shows up on time, <laughs> delivers the content, baby. That's what I do. <laughs> oh, man. That's good times. See, this is what happens when you have podcast friends and you have a podcast. You get to go on each other's podcasts, make each other's lives a living hell, and, you know, have some good times, folks. There you go. Have a bit of a bitch fest. <laughs> That's that's how comfortable we are. It's like by the fourth time you're on, we just don't give a fuck. We just rag on each other. We say whatever we want. Oh, now um, I'm looking forward to episode number five with me because I mean, dude, <laughs> we are oh. going to have some real fun. <laughs> Honestly, I, I thought we were going to have you on to review uh, season four of Stranger Things. That was like kind of our thing that we had going there. Oh, I'll come back for Stranger Things. You guys know that. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll sure. leave, you know what? How about this? I'll do you a solid. I'll get Pop and Hopper to show up too. All right. My my husband and his 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 Pop and Hopper costume. He's like seriously dying. He's like, can we go to a convention? I just want to go in my cosplay and be my funky, uh, my funky. That Hopper. cosplay was amazing though. Yeah, that that was, was one of the most creative ones I've ever seen. He 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 is dying to go back out because I won't let him shave his face to do Farpa again. So we're just gonna have to deal with Hopper. <laughs> 
That's awesome. That's sweet. Well, I mean, I've had a ball. I don't know if anyone else has anything else for the segment or we want to wrap it up, but that was fantastic. You guys are awesome. I love hanging out with you guys. You too, Shannon. We love you. That's one thing Leland and I share is our love of you. Maybe not each other. The only thing we agree on is one thing. (laughs) Am I going to get this in recording so that I can make a whole pot, like a post? (laughs) They, their love by love brought them together. <laughs> you know what, though? The only other time we agree is the segment condescending controversy that is specifically for us to not agree. But then we spend the whole time mostly agreeing. It's the truth. Or, That's why we or conceding. Yeah, or conceding each other's point. I c- yeah. concede to you. Well, it would be the most boring fencing match ever. I concede yeah. the point. I concede <laughs> to you, good sir. I'm gone. I mean, we, we obviously love having you on too, Shannon. Otherwise, we wouldn't ask you back. Um, but yeah, let's wrap this bad boy up. So please, we did actually give what like we normally do. We we did actually get to your official intro in at the beginning of the episode. So please make up for it at the end of it. Tell everyone who you are, where they can find your stuff, please. So if you've just been listening, going, who the, yeah, really, who the fuck is this woman? <laughs> My name is Shannon Parola, and I am the founder and owner of The Game of Nerds. We are a nerdy website at, that basically gives fans and nerds the, a safe place to write and talk about the things that they love in the nerd world. So if you're a fan, you can come and check out everything from, I mean, we cover everything, Marvel's gaming books, you name it. If you are a writer who is looking to gain some experience or you need more places to publish, we are always accepting new writers on our staff. And we take everybody who is, you can be a beginner writer and know nothing about WordPress, or you can be a super experienced writer. We take all levels. um, And basically my thing is you get to write what you love so if you've got a tv show something that you're into in the nerd world um it's fair game on our website um and you can check us out at www.thegameofnerds.com and we're the game of nerds on pretty much all social media beautiful uh our our website is ttpopcast.com we can find our show notes some very old articles that we no longer write or put up uh the t-hut podcast on facebook tt podcast on instagram at Leland underscore Seal is my Twitter handle, and that is who I've been. And I've been Moby. And I'm Shannon. Take care, listener. Thanks, listener. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.